This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. Now, traditionally, Leicester City have been a welcome opponent for Chelsea and this year proved no different as the champions steamrolled the Foxes at the King Power Stadium. Guru Wrighton was the star of the show, opening the scoring in the fourth minute and then laying on four assists for her teammates. Frank Kirby, playing a full 90 minutes, scored twice, as did Canadian Jesse Fleming. Sam Kerr was also on the score sheet, as was Neve Charles, Beth England and Beth England as the Blues ran riot on what was Emma Hayes's 300th game in charge. By full time, the festive season was fully in swing, and we looked great, if you get the pun. Uh, and the title of tonight's show is Went to My King's Meadow, episode 94, Ate Them for Breakfast, because we're just going to keep doing eight puns uh, all the way through the episode. Uh, remember, you can listen live every Tuesday at 8pm uh, by heading to mixler.com, that's mixlr.com, and searching for Went to Mercury's Mother, we can join in the show by posting on the live chat page, as Buffer73 has done already. Um, we need you tonight, it's just me and Jane, it's like an old school um, Went to Mercury's Meadow. Uh, so we need your input on this game. Uh, now on the show tonight, in part one, we're going to relive all the action from Saturday's 8-0 win. In part two, we'll discuss if this is good for the game and ask if Leicester's decision to play at the King Power is a masterclass in how not to do things. Uh, and then in part three, we're going to look ahead to the Real Madrid game on Thursday. Uh, now, as I mentioned, it's not just me, luckily for you. Um, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm right now, stop talking. The intro is always quite <laughs> much, I think. <laughs> so it's yeah, nice to get someone else to talk for a second. Um, I'll, let, I'll let you breathe. Yeah. Now, sadly, we both missed the game on Saturday. Um, obviously, they great start, great start to a podcast about the game. Know. Well, other people don't like even live in the country and they can talk about it. So we, I think we can get away with it. But they moved we'll the game. Fine. You had work. I had a Christmas party uh, with eight six year olds, which was fantastic. 
Um, I have watched the most of the game. You've watched some of the game. Uh, so that's why we're just going to condense the match into one part. I mean, if you're not seeing the goals by now, then what are you doing listening to us? Um, let's, should we get into it then? We might as yep. well. Um, so Chelsea lined up for this one in a 4-1-4-1 formation with Anne Katchenberger in goal. A back four of Yves Perisay, Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson and Neve Charles. Sophie Ingle held the midfield with Johanna Ritten, Camrid, Frank Kirby, Jesse Fleming and Drew Wrighton behind Sam Kerr in attack. Chelsea used all their available substitutions, bringing on Yelena Kankovic and Bethany England for Jesse Fleming and Sam Kerr in the 63rd minute. And then in the 74th minute, Jess Carter replaced Yves Perisay. I think now one came on for Magda Eriksson and Alsu Abdelina replaced Guru Ratan. Uh, this left Shira Musovic, Lauren James, Katrina Svitkova and Erin Cuthbert as unused substitutes. Uh, Stats-wise, Chelsea had 70, 70% possession, 23 shots, 13 on target, four corners and five fouls to Leicester's 30% possession, five shots, four on target, uh, three corners and five fouls. Um, now I know you was at work, Jane, but when the lineup came out, and I put it on a piece of paper and worked out where people were playing. I said I quite liked it. Uh, it looked pretty balanced, and obviously you got Magda and Millie back together in the centre of the fence. Um, all in all, was positive before the game kicked off. I don't know if you got to see it before um, the game started or not. I don't know when I... I don't know if I saw it when it sort of come out or just before the game. I can't actually remember. Um, but I was quite, sort of quite happy with it when I did see it. There was no sort of worries at all and it was like you said nice to see Millie and Magda back in together yeah another reason I liked it is that when you've got Sophie on her own there you can get your fullbacks to push forward because they can she can drop in as a free and Millie and Magda can cover spaces um you also had Frank Kirby playing centrally um and I know there's a little bit of discourse between some supporters about Kirby and Harder and how they play together or or don't play together, basically. And they, op- they occupy and are extremely good in the same spaces. And we haven't seen them together this season because of injuries. It's been a weird one. Uh, Harder was injured, then Kirby, then now Harder again. So either Aurora either played centrally and we have obviously had Cameron out wide. Um, but do you think seeing Kirby more centrally, Jane, is... Um, go better for us than having her out wide and harder in the centre in the centre. It's hard because you want to play all your best players, don't you? But are we getting more out of Kirby coming centrally as she does for England? Yeah, I think like you said, it's hard because obviously we've not seen them play both together. I think last season we didn't really see much of them together either just because of injuries. But I think Fran sort of plays her best the way she in the position she played on Sunday. What I did see of the game and what I did see of her, she had a really good game. And I think that's where You've got to play her to be at her strongest. Yeah, and obviously she scored two goals, so you know you've got to say she's got to be good. She's done well, yeah. Um, and obviously you have you know Guru on the left, and then we had Camry out wide on the right. And it's interesting that it was Camry that didn't get involved in any of the goals, whereas obviously Fran, Sam, and, and Guru did. But we tend to play more to the left, which is quite weird. And it's only been recently under with Lauren James that we've seen more down the right. Do you think that's just Cameron getting up to pace with the team or the team focusing on that strong left-hand side because Leicester were really weak that, that side? Um, I think it's a hard one. I think, like you said, we do play a lot on the left-hand side. We only sort of see 
the right hand side being used when we've got the likes of James playing. But then I think at the same time it might be where um who plays is it Yo Yo? I don't know her surname. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling her Yo Yo because I'm not even gonna try and pronounce it. Um I think where it's sort of she's sort of just slowly starting to not sort of fit into the team because I think she's feeling quite well. I think it's just working sort of the best way for us to play. But at the minute, I feel like it's better playing with Guru at that side. Yeah, and obviously the stats speak for themselves. A buffer on Mixler says that he agreed it was a good lineup. Um, he said the weakest player was Cameron. She needs more time. But maybe that is, you know, she needs more time to bed in. And I think also she needs to start providing, as we've said with Lauren, when she started the season well, but wasn't scoring or assisting. She needs to go that next level. And I think Cameron needs to do that now as well. Otherwise, you know, she's going to find herself out of the team with the you know, strength we've got, especially in an attack. Um, now, as always, when we play, you know, it's a bit harsh calling crap teams, but Leicester are a crap team. It's important to start quickly, you know, get that um, early goal. And we did that. Was it Guru that scored first last year? I should have looked this up because I've just thought of it, but... We scored early. She might have done. Yeah. I, I know we were like three new up in 10 minutes. That's yeah. what I remember. So a good, again, four minutes this time, Guru scores and it just settles. I don't know if there's any nerves because I don't think anyone's thinking Leicester were going to win this game, but it does seem to settle the team, doesn't it? I think the only nerves that there were on the day was Leicester. I think they were the nervous ones. What I did see of the um, game on the day, I know I do take a lot of credit for the goals, but I have to say, I went to the toilet at three o'clock and sat there and watched the opening of the game. And I happened to still be in the toilet when the goal was scored. So I am taking credit once again for another goal. Um, but it was, I feel like that early goal just got us going. I think we sort of needed it, although I was no worry against Leicester. I think it did help getting it so early on. Yeah, everyone at work thinks you did a shit though. So that is the only downside. Um, it's all right. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that. Yeah, you take that for the team. <laughs> It was Guru. She scored in the third minute last year. Maybe oh, that's why he scored nine. That extra minute um, obviously helped them last year. Um, now, if I work my way back to my apps to find the script again, I know what I'm going to watch next. Um, I was going to talk about Guru actually now um, because she was, as we said earlier, the star of the show. Uh, one goal, four assists. We've said so many times this season already, haven't we? She's the first name on the team sheet, which is given the squad we've got, it's quite something, isn't it? I think with Guru, since she signed for us back in 2019 after the World Cup, she's just improved season on season. And I think she is a phenomenal player. I'd personally say she's one of the best players in Europe at the minute. And there's just no... Every match day I'd have her starting, unless she was injured or she couldn't play, there is no doubt in putting her on the uh, starting eleven. Yeah, that was going to be my, my follow-up question. Is she, you know, among the best in Europe? I mean, it's hard for me to say because I don't watch tons of football um, because Chelsea take up so much of my time already. But I just sort of watch the Champions League and you're looking at, you know, the great players, you know, Pateus and, you know, those sort of players. Guru's got to be up there at the moment, hasn't she, with the form she's in? Yeah, I don't see sort of much of other teams in Europe. I sort of just think about sort of the star players in each team and sort of the Champions League but I'd personally put her up there above a lot of them I'm not going to sit her and name all the ones I'd put her above but especially like Miedemar and a few Arsenal players and yeah she'd be up there at the top for me yeah she's the best player in the league 
Oh, 100%. She's the best player in the league right now, which is no question for us. Absolutely. Uh, it got Beth Mead a second place in the Ballon d'Or, so who knows what, what Guru will achieve. <laughs> um, uh, now, the next player I want to move on to, because I don't want to just go through the game in granular detail because we didn't watch all of it, but um, Jessie Fleming, obviously she sort of seems to be the one that's replaced harder in the lineup, um, and she provided goals, two goals in this game. And that's going to be important, isn't it, in this run of fixtures that we are getting contributions from all over the pitch in terms of our goals and assists. Yeah, I think it's hard to have such a big squad. Obviously, there's always going to be, be players unhappy that they're not getting the time that they want. But when you think about how many games we've got, we've got, I think there's like six six games in December. Have I made that up? Five games? Yeah. Um, I do we have three keep... Champions League. And... Remember, remember, six wins in December? Was that, I don't know. <laughs> no, we've got, we've got five. We've got five. Um, Two league yeah. games, three Champions League games. And I think we need to have a big squad to be able to ro rotate our players and not be tired and everything because they're not just easy games coming up. Um, Obviously, the Leicester one wasn't as hard, but we've got three big Champions League games coming up. We've got Reading, who sometimes, sometimes show up, sometimes don't. So I feel like because we've been able to rotate our squad, it sort of gives us... It settles our nerves a bit more because we know that players are going to be able to... They won't be as tired. Yeah, I think also when we're playing this, it's like 4-1, four, 4-1, one, four, one, sort of really attacking formation, having someone like Jesse that can drop in and help Sophie and make that a two as well when we need to is important. And I think that's why she was, along with Sam, the first substitute of the game, getting that you know extra rest in ahead of you know the big game on Thursday. Yeah, I think that's the way Emma looks at games. She starts the players that she knows she wants to start for the following game. So by taking them off as the subs, they've got that little bit extra to sort of relax and recover, ready for the next game, because the Madrid game on Thursday is a big one. Yeah, and there's obviously lots of speculation as well about you know what Harder's going to do next. Her contract's up this summer. Jessie's obviously just signed. Obviously Harder's injured, so she can't play anyway, but... It's a big moment for Jessie, isn't it, to become sort of the linchpin of the team. And as Buffer says, you know, we look better with her in the team, don't we? Yeah, I think we definitely do look good with her in the team. And I think there's only positive stuff for Jessie going forward. Obviously, we've got her for a few more seasons where the likes of Harder, her contract ends at the end of this season. And I don't think we're going to be able to see her play till sort of March time next year. So it will be interesting to see what happens, but it's handy for us that we've got a player that slots into that position so well already. Yeah, I just want to say on record that I do want Harder to stay because um, she's amazing. But I do think Jessie will be uh, one of the, if not the best player in the world at some point in the next two, two three years, uh, which is obviously massive for her because it's going to take a big step to do that. Um, now, another player that, that Buffer mentioned earlier that I want to move on to just briefly, it is Neve Charles who was playing at left back in this game. Um, but what I want to talk about more is it's her from corners. She appears to be a bit of a secret weapon for us now because she she had that header against Brighton where she did score, but Beth stole it. Uh, and then obviously she's she scored in this game. And when you look at Chelsea from set plays, you know Sam Kerr, Magda, Millie, you know these players sort of stand out as the ones that defenders need to mark. But then it's Neve that pops up with the header. That could be interesting for us going forward, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like she's just always in the right place at the right time. I think Mum said to me 
her goal, she sort of checked with Sam. Sam didn't get her head to it because I think she thought Sam might have got her head to it. But I feel like then few corners, she's just sort of there. And I feel like the other team don't realise. Although they know she's there, they don't seem to sort of defend her as well as the other players. So she managed to just sort of get stuff and slots the ball home. Yeah, maybe they're thinking she's not the threat, so they don't have to have their you know best aerial threat on her. And that does give her the space and she's great in the areas we've seen as well. And also she's been not just great on set pieces, but great throughout the season as well, hasn't she? Yeah, I feel like this sort of start to the season was sort of Neve Charles come back for England. She was determined to get in that England squad. And we said when we went to Paris for the PSG away game, we said she's just sort of come out as a completely different player. Obviously, she was unfortunate not to get picked for the Euro squad. And I think her aim this season is to be picked for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, Buffer says now she looks, you know, physically stronger. And you know, I agree with that as well. And as we see, we've, we've, I know we joked about Beth Mead a minute ago, but she missed out on the Olympics. And that proved to be a great driving force for her to get sort of in the England team for the Euros. And obviously, Neve had to watch that as we did. You know, she could have been in that squad. And that must have, although she's obviously happy that her teammates have won, it must be you know, a bit painful as well to watch a group that you're not a part of have that success. And it was huge, wasn't it? The, the Euros England winning, of course. Um, but we get to see her every week and we know how good she is. And I think we'll see her again on Thursday, but we'll talk about that uh, in part three. And now you mentioned uh, checking with Sam about nicking the goal. And Sam did nick a goal, but she did miss a few opportunities as well. She, she looked sort of Sam from the early part of the season where she wasn't quite hitting the right notes. Was this a missed opportunity to play, you know, start Beth and give Beth you know, some, some game time? I think if I'd picked the team, I would have started Beth and saved Sam for the Madrid game. So sort of rested her for the full 90 minutes and just played Beth. Um, but you never know with Emma. You think Emma might do one thing, she ends up doing something else. But I feel like Sam's still sort of settling into the team this season. I think come January, shall we be back to our sort of Sam Kerr, we all know love scoring goals, not missing any. But I feel like she's still sort of like settling into the team at the minute. Although she's been here for a few years now, I feel like the season just has gone off. Not sort of a rusty start, but she's getting better as the uh, games go on. Yeah, I know it's sort of, it's easy for us to say, isn't it? Because we've won the game nine, uh, eight nil, sorry. Um you could have not played this player and played this one. It could, it could have had a big effect on the team. Obviously, Beth come on and scored a header, and she is, I believe, she scored the most headers in the WSL. Um, Maybe. It was launched. I'm sure I see that as a stat. I've not double-checked it, but I wrote it down. Um, which, which would sound right, because Beth does score a lot of headed goals. And, um, that was a Alsu cross, wasn't it? Yeah, Alsu got the assist for that one. Yeah, so... Obviously, Beth has scored a goal, so she's she's matched Sam's contribution to the team. Because we spoke about this quite a few times when Sam was struggling in the early part of the season. You know, when do you say, okay, I'm going to take you out of the team and put Beth in? Obviously, as you said, we've got five fixtures in December. Sam was away in Australia recently. Leicester hadn't had a point all season. Why do you think that Beth isn't getting any sort of meaningful minutes? Although she come on for half an hour that's you know so much little compared to what she was used to I think it's a hard one I don't actually know why I'd love to know why um 
it's just what Emma wants. I feel like we could sit here and name all different reasons, but I feel like Emma just prefers. I feel like Sam as a player, she doesn't make an impact when she comes on as a sub. I feel like she's better to start her, run her off, get all her energy out. Whereas Beth can sit on the bench for 60 minutes, come on and make an instant impact on the game and score goals. So I feel like when you look at it that way, it is better to start Sam and bring Beth on just because of the helpness Beth brings when she comes on. Whereas Sam, I feel like Sam struggles when she comes on as, as a sub, although she doesn't come on as a sub often. I feel like it's just better to do it that way around. Yeah, almost like she gets too bored on the bench. And then she hasn't I feel like got... she, fall, she falls asleep on the bench and she has to come on and she's sort of a bit like, oh, I've actually got to do something now. Maybe. Who knows? Well, obviously probably never know but um <laughs> i think when you're playing the bottom of the league and you are talking about your squad and your the depth of your squad and how good your squad is and you keep talking about the squad if you're not using the squad you're just using the same players every week it's sort of a bit contradictory and we know beth can score goals as she did in this game um i'm sure we would have even if we beat leicester 4-0 it's not the end of the world is it because <laughs> you've won 4-0 um not to say that we wouldn't have still scored eight with beth playing the full game uh, talking of playing the full game, Frank Kirby did that, which was surprising and um, positive all in the same sort of manner, wasn't it? Yeah, it's nice to see her back playing. I just, every time I play, she plays, I'm sort of like hoping and praying that she's fine, she doesn't come off injured, because I feel like she just, she's a very illness and injury prone player. Um, but I'm hoping now she's sort of fully fit and she'll be fine for the rest of the season. And we've sort of got, I feel like this season, I feel like I said it last season, this season's Fran's season. But I feel like from now, Fran's on one this season. She's determined to get and help the team as much as she can. Yeah, well, she's not injury prone, is she? She's like illness prone. She's yeah, and I feel like she does, she does pick up a few injuries here and there. Mm. But if she's doing this swap with Harder all season, that she can't be injured or ill till... Probably March or April. So we're going to see a lot of Franco, we hope. If not, obviously, we've got uh, Yelena Kankovic, who, who came on. Uh, again, I thought looked pretty good. Are you hoping we're going to see more of her in the next couple of games? Because obviously she's another one that's been injured and we haven't really seen her. Yeah, I think on Sunday against Reading, we might see her. I don't think she'll start. I might think she might come on as a sub. I don't know if she'll play against Madrid. But I feel like definitely Sunday she'll come on at least and play a few minutes at least. I think we might actually see her start on Sunday because um, I think Sophie's going to play in, in Madrid. That'd be two 90 minutes for Sophie. Good chance to take yeah. her out and rest her maybe. Because um, we know what Reading are going to do. They're going to sit everyone behind the ball and kick it to the fast player and see if she can score. Um, talking of playing more minutes, sort of one of the last players because we are part of the Alsu Abdelina fan club here. I went to Mo Kings Meadow. She came on again, provided one assist, definitely. I gave her the second, although I don't think anyone else has officially, so it's just one assist. But she's not played at all. She came on against, was it was it West Ham? The season's been so long. She got an assist anyway when she came on the pitch straight away. I don't think it was West Ham. I think it... I think it might have been West Ham. I know she's come on, but I can't remember what game. Someone's going to tell us. There's too many games. Anyway, again, she comes on. She a perfect cross for Beth to score the header. It was her determination to get on the ball, which gets us the last goal, which was uh, Fran's chip, wasn't it? 
even this game was Sunday. I can't remember what happened. You're asking me like I can yeah. remember it. I don't know why. Buffer's going to tell me in a minute on, on Mixer anyway. <laughs> but she's obviously coming on and she's stating her case, isn't she? And are you expecting to actually see her play a game at some point? I'm so glad she is starting to get the minute she deserves. What I'm worried about is come January, the loan deal she was meant to go out on in the summer is then going to happen and then we're going to lose her. And then I feel like all this like, build-up we've got to have her play this full game is all going to sort of go backwards and then she'll be out on loan and then she'll have to come back and sort of start again. But I'm hoping with the minute she has been playing, she, I'm hoping Emma sort of looked at it again and thought, actually, let's keep her. We don't need to send her out on loan. She's better off staying with us because I'm excited to see what she has to bring more to the team. It was the um, the Arbalian team. She got the assist. Oh, not West Ham. It was both wrong. Yeah, but you know, a team no one's really heard of. You know, it was halfway there with West Ham. <laughs> um, do you think though? Because she hasn't really got many minutes. She's come on a few, like three games, I think now. It's not really enough, is it, for for a young player trying to settle in the country, settle to the league. The loan's best for her. What we doing maybe with Fitkova or you know, Cameron playing left or right, or even Lauren James playing on the left and coming in when, when Ryan needs a break. That the loan's best for her, but obviously we've only got five games left, or is it four now? Um between now and the Christmas yeah. break, and then who knows when that loan deal will go through. You know, we're looking at maybe that, you know, Valencia game as a game that she actually starts and Guru can rest. Because Guru can't play every game of the season, like every player. I think it's hard. Personally, I'd love for her to go out on loan to get the minutes she sort of needs. I think it's been a tough start for her sort of English footballing career, just with everything that sort of was going on in the world and her sort of fitting in because she didn't speak any English really. So I feel like where it's been such a sort of slow start to her sort of Chelsea career it's been tough for her and I'd love to sort of see her go out on loan to sort of a lower team so she gets the minutes she deserves but then I'd hate to sort of see her go when I sort of I feel like she could fit into this Chelsea sort of starting 11 quite well yeah I want to see her play with with Guru as a left back when we're playing against a really poor team and get her going forward Statman Harry um, shout out to Harry Edwards two appearances 32 minutes and how many games have we into the season now? We've played nine in the league and two in the Champions League. So it's like 11 games. She's played 32 minutes. She needs to go on loan, I think. Um, is we've, played for three, that? we've played three in the Champions League, I think. Oh, yeah, three. So many games. Yeah. What's that, 12? I'm about as good as maths as any Aluko. Um, anyway. <laughs> now, the last, I want to say the last mention to a goalkeeper, because I was a goalkeeper, so part of the union, AKB... She didn't really have a lot to do, but she pulled off that world-class save. Just a reminder of, of how good she is, in case people did forget. She is just such a brilliant goalkeeper. I haven't actually seen the save. I just have heard about it from everyone. It was it. a good save. I do need to go and find it and watch the highlights back. Um, But I just feel like... I feel sorry for her because... I know it's very cold in Leicester, so she probably was freezing. Um, but she just sort of, she just comes out of nowhere, nowhere with these brilliant saves. She doesn't do anything 
all game. But then when we need her, she steps up and she is there for she's there to help us. Although it wouldn't have mattered if we had scored one goal, but it is better to keep that clean sheet. I'm sure Emma would have been fuming if they conceded a goal. And I always... Yeah, I think I think everyone would have been fuming if it had gone in, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Yeah, I always say when you're looking for a world-class goalkeeper, it's the ones that don't make loads of saves, but just make the one that they need to make in the game. Uh, it's a debate I had about you know Mendy, who plays for the men's team, because he was making lots of good saves. People were saying he's world-class, and I disagreed with them, and now he's on a downward trajectory of his career, uh, and probably going to leave Chelsea as well, which is really quite random. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to give a shout-out to AKB, because she is um, incredible, and she kept the clean sheet for us with that fantastic save. Um, and if Altu hadn't got two assists, which I'm going to give her two assists, um, she would have been involved in the player of the match vote, uh, but she wasn't because Abdelina was. She got 4% of the vote, as did Frank Kirby. Jesse Fleming got 6%, uh, but with 86% of the vote was Guru Wrighton at 310 votes. Um, I don't think anyone can have many complaints about that result, Jane. Yeah, no, Guru would have been my player of the match. Obviously, she's got one goal for us just in that first half. I think she's on a roll this season already and she's going to get a lot of goals. If she doesn't win top goal scorer and top assist, I'll be very, very shocked. She won't get top goal scorer. She doesn't score, but she'll get top assist. Well, she can try and aim for both. Well, she should, but yeah. Let's just go for that Miedemar record. I think she has <laughs> most assists. Harry will tell me in a minute. Um, results elsewhere then Saturday was Manchester United 5 Aston Villa 0 Arsenal beat Everton 1-0 and obviously we beat Leicester 8-0 um, and then on Sunday Reading beat Tottenham 1-0 Liverpool beat West Ham 2-0 and Manchester City beat Brighton 3-1 uh, we were the only away team to win at the weekend no draws um, all home wins which is weird very um, weird yeah anyway. I don't think there's been I don't think there's been a draw is there Seems like there's never draws in WSL this year. Uh, probably I don't been... think there has been at all. I'm going to double check that. You look at that now. Well, I'll read out the table, which is uh, Chelsea are top on 24 points, Man United second on 21 points, Arsenal third also on 21 points. Then you've got Man City in fourth on 18 points, Aston Villa fifth on 12 points, West Ham sixth also on 12 points. Then you've got Spurs in seventh and Everton in eighth, both on nine points. Uh, Liverpool in ninth on eight points, Reading tenth on seven points, Brighton in eleventh also on seven points, and then you've got Leicester bottom of the table on zero points, uh, much like the United Kingdom at the Eurovision. Um, now Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, Reading, and Leicester have played nine games each. Um, Spurs have played seven. Everyone else has played eight. Um, so if you can work that out for yourself, how the table looks when it all evens up at some point in the near future, probably after Christmas, uh, that will start to take shape. Um, right, we're going to take a short break now uh, before we look into some off-the-field activities uh, surrounding the game. Uh, before we do that, a reminder that our Summer Series celebrating the 30th anniversary of the creation of the Chelsea FC Women's Team is available in full on our Patreon page. Subscription costs you £5 per month. In return, you get access to interviews with Tony Farmer, the man who created the team, uh, George Michaelas, who managed the team from 2002 to 2005, and Matt Beard, who was Chelsea's coach before Emma Hayes. Uh, you also get early access to all of these podcasts. So if you are listening on Spotify or iTunes or wherever, um, you can listen before 
they get released there on our Patreon uh, in return for that subscription. Uh, you can sign up by heading to www.patreon.com forward slash went to Kings Meadow and join uh, a growing community on Patreon. Uh, we'll be right back after this short break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, welcome back to part two of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, we're going to look at some off the field activities now. Uh, Jane, I want to start with Leicester City's use of the King Power Stadium. Um, obviously, there's lots of talk at the minute about playing games in big venues. Uh, we had our game at Stamford Bridge against Tottenham recently. Um, Man United played at Old Trafford this weekend. Um, but Leicester have played there since they got promoted last season. Uh, and you were there last year for the 9 0? Yeah, I was there last year. Because they don't seem to really fill the stadium at all, ever. Was it just one stand open for that game? Yeah, so it was just, obviously, the side you see on the TV. It's just, I think, for such a team lower down, and they've not got as many fans. Obviously, they have fans, but not as many. It's just a very big stadium to open. The stands that is open it's quite high up because we made the mistake last season picking tickets high thinking they weren't that high and we ended up basically being in the sky and we ended up all having to move because it was just too high 
Um, but I feel like for a team like Leicester, if they played, I know they do have a ground, obviously, if the men's are playing there that they play at. I feel like for them, the atmosphere would be a lot better at a smaller ground like Kings Meadow, just because it's too it's too big to fill for not many fans. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because we don't know how much Leicester put into attracting supporters to the ground. I mean, I think you know? I know, so I know, sort of the men like Leicester as a club put in a lot for their women's team, but fan wise, I don't know how well they sort of get the fans in. Well, going by the attendance is not very much because um, they don't put in many people. Um, I think their attendance is one of the lowest in the league. Um, without looking on if. I think it's at WSL attendances um, do this stuff every week and they're one of the worst ones for uh, putting their attendances through um, obviously you said last year you made the mistake of booking six high was there an away section or just a section that you had to book together because obviously we spoke about away ends with uh, Stephen last week on the loan report episode was it a designated away section or was it somewhere you booked and then said to supporters this is where we booked no, Celeste are quite good. When you go on the website online, they tell away supporters to book, I think it's like A1, I think that's the stand it's called. Um, but I spoke to a few people that that went on Saturday and they said that there was, although it states online A1 is for away fans, there was a few Leicester fans in that stand. I know last season there was quite, we were surrounded by quite a few Leicester fans, especially young kids who started to cry at 3-0 and end up leaving and going home. Um. But I just feel like they've sort of got it organised, but not organised. They sort of tell the away fans where to sit, but then you can buy tickets as a Leicester fan in that area, if that makes sense. It's a bit of an odd one. Yeah, and obviously it doesn't help when it's like a flat stand of supporters. When we saw the Emirates, when they played Man United, you know, the stadium's round and it's four, then you've got this pocket of away fans that made a lot of noise. Um, and we know Chelsea fans do make noise as well. So, but when you've got that acoustic problem of it's just one bank of supporters, you lose that atmosphere, don't you? Was it? Was it? It sounded flat on commentary. Was it flat last year as well? Um, I'll be honest, I can't remember that far ago. I just don't remember what I did last week. I feel like the clips I saw um, of the game, I could hear the fans, especially the Chelsea fans. Then I don't know because I heard like a couple that I know quite well. I don't know if it's because I sort of recognise their voices. I can pick up that they're cheering. Shout out to Basil, because I know he was having a competition with the Leicester fans who could be the loudest. Um, but I feel like it's just not... It's an it's an odd stadium. Uh, do you think it's... When other teams sort of maybe look at it, it puts them off doing it themselves? Because it's, it's sort of a showcase on how not to do it, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like they sort of, if the, if Leicester were to do it, they need to do it properly. I know this year they ended up putting family and friends in the same block as the away fans. I know the family and friends, majority of them were the Chelsea family and friends. But I just feel like they need to sort of organise it more. Although it's, it's handy for us that they're doing it because then everyone sort of knows where to go to. But for atmosphere and noise sort of purposes, it needs to be smaller so everyone clumps more together because I feel like they were sort of just spread out over this one stand. Mm, yeah, I mean, we, you could, yeah, Buffett said you could hear our fans on TV, which we always can, um, especially you know, people like Greg and Soraya who um, 
have the voices that travel. Um, but as we say, when you haven't got that bowl of fans and the noises vibrating off each other, you lose all the atmosphere. And obviously, we had the issue with only was it about twenty four thousand showing up for the Tottenham game, or you know they sold it out. United, I know people. If people know Natalie, she's one of the big Man United fans. She was moaning like crazy that, that the club weren't doing anything to promote the game. So they were playing at Old Trafford, but their promotion of it was was terrible. Uh, and she said they had 30,000 at Old Trafford. So you're losing 40,000 seats there because it's obviously a big stadium. And uh, we spoke about the idea of Plough Lane a couple of weeks ago. And that actually appeared in the Daily Mail as well. That it was something that Todd Bowley was actually looking at. Well, what did you make of that? I think I'd rather play a game at Plough Lane than Stamford Bridge, in all honesty. I think, personally, I don't like Stamford Bridge because the atmosphere is dead. I've never been to a men's game there, so I don't really know. For me, Kings Kings Meadow is brilliant, and then we go to Stamford Bridge and it's awful. I feel like there's just no sort of atmosphere. Obviously, it's lovely, but it's just no atmosphere, and I'd prefer it at Kings Meadow any day. Mm. Um, But I feel like we need to sort of have like a stepping stone in between the grounds. So by going to Plough Lane, which is 10,000? 10,000, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that would sort of, that would be easier to fill and the atmosphere would be so much better in there than Stamford Bridge. Yeah, then I suppose you're moving, you're moving 10,000 supporters directly into Stamford Bridge rather than 3,000. It is a yes. bit, isn't it? Um. What is that what you think the right thing is to do is to if, if we can't do anything at Kings Meadow in terms of increasing it, even if it's like maybe seven and a half, you know, sort of doubling the size of the ground, then look to move away to that 10,000? Or do you think we go, go, we go big, we go like Leicester, but do it properly and try and go get sort of maybe 20,000 every week? I think it would nice be nice to see Kings Meadow developed and sort of get as many as we can in there. I feel like if we move to Plough Lane, everyone's just going to think we're going to want to keep buying wherever Wimbledon want to go. Because um, that's obviously where they played. They played at Kings Meadow beforehand. Um, I feel like going to Stamford Bridge is too much too soon. Sort of, I know women's football is rising, but I feel like to expect 20,000, sort of at least 20,000 week in, week out is a lot to ask for. Um, it'll be interesting for the PSG game at Bridge what the attendance is for that. That one I'm sort of looking forward to because obviously it's three days before Christmas. I think there's a train strike around that time. Um, it's an eight o'clock kickoff. So it will be interesting to see what that atmosphere is like. But I think definitely we need to look at sort of a stepping stone stadium in between. I think we'll get less than 10,000 for PSG. I'm not expecting much. No. I think it would have been better if it was at, if it was a game that we needed to win, I think Emma would have asked for it at Kings Meadow just because of the atmosphere, we would have geared them up a bit more. But I think at, by the looks of it, we're going through to the next round anyway. So it's sort of not a it's not a game that needs to sort of it's not a must-win game, but obviously you want to win it. I think they put it there mainly because of the PSG fans after the Albanian fans. They sort of can't risk can't risk anything at Kings Meadow. Yeah, and of course you've got the knockout stages have to be played at Stamford Bridge as well because of the UEFA rules, so we need to get used to playing at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, so all quarter semis will be played at the bridge. 
Mm. Although we've got to win the next two games to get through, definitely, before we get PSG. So um, let's win those first before we start saying we're through. Um, now, obviously, the result was 8-0. Last season, it was 9-0. There's obviously discussions about whether this is you know, good for good for the game and is it is it good for the WSL that the top team can beat the bottom team you know regularly by big score lines. I know this thing does happen sort of you see it in the Premier League sometimes Southampton have lost 9-0 a couple of times but in women's football it was something that was quite prominent it seemed to have died down a little bit in recent years but you know even if you look at the table let's have no points after, and they had no points this point last year as well. I think they hadn't won a game along with uh, Birmingham, who eventually went down. With people talking about expanding the league, but can you expand the league if there's no teams better than Leicester, who are currently terrible, to come up? What's your thoughts on that? That's the only problem I feel like at the minute. Obviously, you want to expand the league. You want to get as many sort of players as you sort of teams in the league as you can. But Leicester, it's not like they're not a good team they are a good team the players they've got I just don't think sort of fit in with the other players in the WSL I think they're a really good team for championship and looking at how it's going they will be going back down to the championship but even the teams that would come up from the championship you have to sort of look at it do they actually sort of have the players that will work well or will it be a case of coming up for a season and going back down then coming up and going down. It's hard because Leicester aren't just, I feel like against the big teams, although they've not picked up any points, I think they do struggle. They've got the players, but they're just not sort of, they're not sort of fitting in well with the league. Yeah, but they're not the level, are they, of, of the WCL? And teams like Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Man United as well, I suppose, are so far ahead of teams like Leicester. And if you're going to bring up you know, Bristol City, say, who was, I think they're second in the league at the minute. I think at the minute it's London, London City, City Lionesses that are looking. Yeah, but, you know, because obviously Bristol been in the WSL more recently and, and you know, they were battered 8 9 nil by teams. Meadham has scored half their goals against Bristol City. I don't think she can't wait. Um, so, my thing is, my is like, what's the point of expanding the league to put in another two rubbish teams? It's not going to help anyone. Do you think the issue is the fact that the championship at the moment is not full-time professional and that we need to distribute more funds there to get those clubs full-time? Yeah, I feel like the WSL sort of got to a point it sort of can't be developed any more than it already is. I feel like now we've got to start looking at the championship and sort of looking at their teams, making them professional, because I know a few still aren't professional. And then once you've developed the league, you can start looking at growing the WSL and bringing more teams into it. But I'd hate to sort of be in the championship at the minute, be thrown into the WSL, and you're losing like 8-9-0 against the big clubs. I'd want to go back to the championship and just win 1-0. Yeah, be like Fulham. Go you know, come up, be rubbish. <laughs> come play, up, come down. <laughs> have a fun time in the championship by winning <laughs> um, Mitrovic for fifty yards or something stupid. At least you can say you've won it. You've won a league a load of times. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo asked about a playoff between eleventh and second in the championship. But yeah, I think eleventh in the WSL and second in the championship is a massive golf still. And who's it? Brighton at the moment. 11th in the league 
yeah, Brighton. If they played yeah. Bristol City, I think they would smash them. Um, when you look at it that way, it's you think like Brighton would easily, well, you'd say easily. I know they lost. Can't even remember how much they lost to Tottenham. It is. It's a, it is a hard one when you think when you bring all these different factors into it. It's a hard one to sort of work out what's best. It can be interesting to see what happens in the future. I know, especially with the investment that Newcastle are making, Crystal Palace are investing a lot as well. And the WSL has a history of fast tracking big clubs into the WSL, so it could be a fourteen team league soon, and we'll see. Another final thing I want to just mention quite briefly is um, Emma Hayes. Obviously, it was her three hundredth game in charge. Uh, she's won two hundred eleven games. Um, an easy question to start with, Jane: Is she the go the greatest of all time? Yes. Easy one. Couldn't get that wrong, could you? Um, easy peasy. Yeah. What you've been following the team for a few years now. What what would be your your personal Emma Hayes highlight? Of her, um, that's a tough one. I think I've been following six years. Yeah, yeah, I think it's about six years. Um, I really don't know what my personal highlight would be. I think her interview after the FA Cup final last December was yeah. brilliant. That one will always stick with me. Just everyone loves to just joke about the Arsenal manager. Um well, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't I don't think I could pick a personal favourite moment of hers. That she brings us chocolate she used to bring us chocolate to games. That was really nice. Um but she's just a lovely like person in general. Yeah. I think that would have been if I had to pick one, that purring moment would be, would be up there. And the one in of, there was no fans but she said about the players she was on the TV and she just swore straight away um, and the presenter didn't know what to do with herself um, that was a classic but you know you've met her obviously spoke to her at games yet to do that but hopefully soon um, there'll be a box on the podcast with Emma's face in it and she'll be talking to us one day um, who knows but you know, we'd like to know your highlights of Emma Hayes' 300 games uh, let us know via all the usual uh, platforms. Uh, we'll tell you about the end of the game. Uh, we're going to go for our final ad break now. Before we do that, this is the perfect opportunity to remind you that copies of issue one and issue two of King's Meadow Chronicle, the brand new Chelsea FC Women's fanzine, are available online via kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com. Uh, so make sure to pick up a copy. The link will be in the description box. Uh, we'll be back to look ahead to Real Madrid after this short break. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to the final part of Wentz Mode Kings Meadow. Time now to look ahead to Thursday night's Champions League game. I said tomorrow in the script, but it's definitely Thursday uh, versus Real Madrid. Uh, I've been looking at the table, Jane. So we're top. 
with a five-point lead over PSG in Madrid, who were second and third. That gives us a bit of breathing space, doesn't it? And you know, a draw wouldn't be the end of the world away in Madrid, would it? Yeah, I feel like when you look at the table that way, it sort of takes that little bit of pressure off us. Obviously, a draw we'd be happy with, but we're determined to get all the wins and all the points. If we get the win, it'll be so much easier for us. And I think we can get the win. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, I have done some maths. So uh, a point would put it on 10 points. Uh, we assume that Leon beat uh, Valencia. They got to seven. Uh, assume we beat Valencia in the next game. That takes us up to 13. Um, and even if Leon beat Real Madrid and then beat us, they can only get to 13 as well. So we would be safely through uh, to the next round. And obviously, Leon have got to beat us to do that. We can obviously then you mean, get... You mean, P- you mean PSG? PSG, so I don't know why. I've Leon. written Leon. I don't know why. PSG, not Leon. That would be in the knockout stages. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the math sort of makes sense. Avoid defeat in, in Madrid. We go through, basically. As long as we don't lose, we'll be fine. Yeah. Now, talking of not losing... Uh, Mia spoke to us ahead of the first leg she said that Madrid are weak from set pieces and then we scored from a corner and then obviously Cuthbert scored that goal from uh, the side of the pitch basically um, having seen that first leg play out do you think we'll sort of do similar to what we did in, in Paris and sit compact defensively and try and use the opportunities like free kicks and corners to get our goals I feel like whatever we say, Emma's definitely listening. She's going to do the complete opposite to whatever we want her to do. Um, I'm hoping we just sort of... I feel like if we don't panic, the game will go smoothly. I feel like if there's a lot... I feel like the pressure is going to be on and that's when we struggle. Yeah, I mean, Buffer says we, we seem to pay too much respect to Real. I think we should smash them in Madrid. I mean, would Man City not have said the same? And they've not won twice in Madrid. They've lost both times, or I think, or drawn whatever. They've been knocked out by Madrid either way. So I think there is a case to sort of pay them that respect. And the emphasis is going to be on on Madrid, isn't it? And does that play into our hands, Jane? That Madrid sort of have to come at us and try and win, and we can break with the pace that we've got, especially playing those long balls up to Sam, getting behind them and try and you know hopefully run away with the game. I think Man City struggled because they're just not as good as us and Caroline Weir was there to haunt her team. That was the reason they got knocked out by them. Um, but I feel like I feel like we can do well. Sam will start, hopefully for definite, pass the ball to Sam and she can score a few goals, maybe a hat-trick. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, we're definitely not City Buffer because we're talking about a Champions League game. Right now, if we were Man City fans, I'd be in bed. Um, this show would be over. Um, do you think uh, Buchanan obviously missed out the weekend? Um, I assume she's not injured, but not on the bench either. But do you think she'll be back in the team if she's fit? I did say that unless she picked up an injury between Emma's press conference and going to Leicester, she was fully fit because Emma said everyone was fit apart from Penel. Um, so I'm hoping she was just resting her and she's ready sort of to play um, on Thursday because I feel like she fits in to European football obviously she's played there she's played in Europe for ages so it sort of helps her having that sort of knowledge on how European teams play yeah I think yeah I think she'll definitely as you said she hasn't picked up a surprise injury she'll be back in the team um, 
another player that obviously missed out, didn't get on the pitch was on the weekend was Lauren James. If we spoke about being compact defensively and then breaking quickly, I know Lauren's fast, but she does like to be on the ball. Maybe that doesn't work as well. Although she could be an out ball with the ball and she did play well against him in the first leg. Do you think she'll come back in over someone like uh, Yo-Yo or do you think Yo-Yo will keep her place and use her pace uh, in counter-attacks? I think I'd start Lauren and keep Yo-Yo on the bench and then bring Yo-Yo on. I think because Lauren didn't play on Sunday, she saw she's had that extra rest. And I feel like we could get sort of Lauren's full potential out of this game. Yeah, the other uh, dynamic, though, that could play a part in this is uh, Aaron Cuthbert is going to come back into the team, uh, we imagine. Um, do you think that means either Jesse Fleming misses out, doesn't play, or you put Kirby on the right-hand side instead of Yo-Yo and Lauren, Fleming in the middle, and then you've got Ingle and Cuthbert together in the midfield as the two? What dynamic this, is where it gets, yeah. this is where it gets confusing. Because if you bring one player in, then you can't start another player. Then you've got to take someone else out and bring someone else in. Um, so play with we, it would be just handy if we could play all our players and we wouldn't have to worry. <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. Okay, Who my, knows? Last, my last question, Mark, over the team that I've got is the right back. Uh, Perise came off quite early in the game for, for Jess Carter. But we've spoken about how good Neve Charles has been this season. We're expecting Ericsson to go back to left back. Who starts for you at right back? Oh, even that one's a hard question. I'd go Eve. Yeah, interesting. I yeah. did go for Eve, but I think I'm going to change my mind when I read this team for it throughout. Just because of, um, as we said, when she played in uh, Paris, Neve how well she did. Although Neve's been playing brilliantly, I just feel like with Eve's experience in Europe, I yeah. don't know. You could, because didn't Neve play further forward in Paris? But Marin played right back. Uh, Is that right? That was like two months ago. I definitely can't remember that. Yeah, but you were there. Come on. I was there, but I had been awake for God knows how long. Um, I just remember. I just remember the goal. <laughs> I think she did play further forward. I think Marin played back. I'm going to try and look it up as we're speaking now um, to um, see the team. I'm on the BBC website. I know their lineups are usually a bit shocking. Um, yeah, I was right. Marin played right back, and Lee plays ahead of her. So maybe that's. I mean, that team that day was Berger, Mielder, Bright, Buchanan, Eriksson, Cuthbert, Ingle, Charles, Harder, Wright and Kerr. You could copy that 11 and just put Kirby in for Harder. Yeah. Keep it similar. That could be the team. But who knows? Emma's definitely going to listen to that little bit and change the whole thing. Yeah, if she's... Re-signed up to the Patreon because it's probably not going to be published before kickoff <laughs> uh, on Thursday. So my team predictor then now is going to be that team I just said. Changed my mind completely. <laughs> Berger, Miel, Buchanan, Bright, Ericsson, Ingle, Cuthbert, Charles, Kirby, Wrightson, Kerr. 
I don't think Marin's going to be back. Everyone's fit, apparently. I'd, I'd love her to be, but I'm not getting my hopes up because every week I'm told that everyone's fit and everyone's fine, and then she's not not even on the bench. We'll see. Um, Buffer says that Anthea, I think that's, I don't know if that's probably not how you pronounce this person's name, but the left winger for Madrid, the good player, she's back on Thursday, so that's going to be a tough challenge for the right back. So maybe Neve will drop back in, maybe Jess will come in. Who knows? Maybe um, Svitkova's will play right back. Who it's knows? Completely random from, from Emma Hayes in game number 301, which it will be. Uh, Score prediction, Jane. What are you going for? What did, What was the score last time? 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. I'm going to go 3-0. 3-0. Very positive. Yeah. I think they're going to score. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Chelsea. Okay. Um, Not going to ask Dane, although he's was probably 3-0 or 2-1 because that's how it always works. It would have either been one of ours. Yeah, I think he just says that every week. <laughs> Who knows? Um, we'll find out when he's back, hopefully next week. Um, let us know your predictions. Buffers is 3-1, um, so that's a combination of both. Uh, yeah, let us know yours, um, your lineup predictions, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Uh, before Thursday, you can do that on Twitter, at Mokings Meadow. You can do it at Instagram, at Went to Mokings Meadow. Uh, you can tweet me. I'm at, at CFCW Fanzine. Jane is at Jane Travel X. Uh, you can ask Dane where the hell he is at DWIT9. Um, and you can also follow King's Meadow Chronicle on Instagram and TikTok, which I'm learning how to use. Get you. Really weird. Um, post a video, like 20, 20 views. Post another one, 4,000. Post another one, 20,000. 20, post another That's one, 33. I had one and it's like 400 and something thousand views. Then one's got like four. Yeah. I mean, I'm not dancing or nothing. It's just like actual Chelsea. Stuff. <laughs> I'm not trying to lip sync songs and stuff. So don't get your hopes up too. <laughs> um, we'll leave the links for all of that in the description box. Uh, Jane, good to see you. Um, I don't know if I'm going to see you Sunday or not um, because they've changed the kickoff time. And I think it's going to count me out of the game. But I'm going to. F- I'll know by the end of the week so I'll let you know for the ticket oh yeah if I see you Sunday I'll see you Sunday if not yeah. I'll see you on the 20th of December are you coming? I've, I've got the, I've got the ticket out of you I haven't paid for it but I, I don't know I may have done I can't remember if you ask me to then I've got the ticket I did say yes I think oh then I think I've got it then if you tell me yeah yeah 22nd of December isn't it not 23rd yeah yeah, that's 22nd, the Thursday. Yeah, um, we'll be back anyway next Tuesday to look back at that Real Madrid game and the Reading game in the WSL this Sunday. Um, we'll be back live, of course, on Mixler at 8 pm UK time. Um, so make sure you sign up and follow us on there so you get the notification that we've gone live uh, on mixler.com. We'll leave the link for that as well in the description box. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, until next time, from King Camilla to Emily, keep the blue flag flying high.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 